Hello, Galaxy CDs, Rocks and Flips podcast listeners. It is Monday evening, and I just finished the YouTube live event. If you were able to make it over there, thank you so much for coming out. I really appreciate it. We had a what I thought was a surprisingly good turnout. I think there were 19 or 20 people hanging out there at one point, so I appreciate everybody that stopped by. I, If you didn't make it, uh, that video will be available up on YouTube as well, but I wanted to go ahead and put it over here on the podcast. There were some really great questions and some really great conversation that I wanted to share with all of you. So without further ado, here is the show. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to my first ever attempt to do a YouTube Live. Uh, Thank God. I'll start with this. (laughs) Uh, Thank God there's somebody here because I've been sweating this all day. That What if I show up and it's... There's nobody here. So thank you. Uh, I see there are a few people here. Uh, Feel free, please, to say something in the chat. Say hello. Uh, Leave a comment. Leave a question. Unfortunately. I didn't really plan out what I wanted to do today other than to thank everyone for helping to contribute to this channel's modest growth and success. Um, I talk a lot on this channel about not comparing yourselves to others, but it's hard not to do that. And last week, it was funny. I was on a I'm in a group on Facebook for podcasters and someone commented that they had just celebrated their one year anniversary and their one millionth listen. (laughs) Uh, And this was at the same time, I was pretty excited that I had just crossed 7,000 listens on the podcast. So man, that was, that was a big deal for me. And then I saw that number. I was like, Ooh, okay. So it's not all that, but I still feel pretty good about it. So uh, thank you to all of you. If you came over from the podcast tonight to check this out, I really appreciate it. I know it's out of your wheelhouse a little bit um, being on YouTube. So thank you for coming out. A uh, quick shout out to some folks that are already up in the chat. Uh, Shop Epic Gifts, Aaron, uh, Rebel Junk. Thank you so much for coming out. Jim Lucas, Chuck Witt, sound loud and clear. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've spent a lot of money on this stuff, so I'm glad it works. <laughs> uh, and Beetle Al, hello and welcome to the live show. So, like I said, a couple of milestones last week that I wanted to celebrate. I do want to give some stuff away. So, Let's uh, thank you, Penny's Prize Possessions. Uh, thank you so much for the kind words. I like it too. <laughs> uh, I'm actually having a lot of fun doing the shows. Um, they like You don't think about how much work a YouTube channel is until you get started in it and the editing. And I wanted to do something maybe a little bit different than what some of the other channels are. So I've got all these transitions and the little sound effects and all kinds of stuff going on. So it's it's a bit like work, but I really enjoy the break that I get 
doing the YouTube and the podcast from kind of the listing and the day-to-day grind of just being a reseller. So this is a welcome distraction in a lot of cases for me. So I appreciate that other folks appreciate it as well. One of the other milestones from last week that I wanted to celebrate, not necessarily related to the channel, but to my business, when I restarted or started reselling in earnest, my eBay account had just under uh, 800 feedback score. And last week it crossed 3,800, which means I've gotten a little over 3,000 feedback over the last 16 months. So I was pretty stoked about that. I'll give it up for myself. Um, It probably was a little more than 3,000 because I do have a lot of repeat business, a lot of duplicates. So uh, that was pretty exciting. And then, of course, last but not least, the channel finally crossing the 500 subscriber threshold, which was a little touch and go for a while because it dropped back down to 499. I was like, man, what happens if you schedule a celebration for 500 and before you get there, (laughs) uh, it drops back down. But it did go back up over 500. So thank you again. Uh, a few more comments here. Randy Martin posting while watching 23 items so far today. You got me beat. I, for those of you that have been watching for a while, they have been driving me, literally driving me insane with these dealer trade drives today. I went to Fort Wayne, Indiana. So another six hours or so on the road today. So I only got, I think I did 15 listings when I got home tonight and then I needed to take a little break to get ready for this thing. So uh, good for you on 23. That's a good day. Uh, Shop Epic Gifts found you from Cincinnati Picker. That's right. Uh, he featured, I did a, a show, gosh, pretty early on when I picked his storage unit. And a week or so after that, he gave me a shout out and played a little clip from my show on his show. And a lot of folks came over from that. So shout out to uh, John over at Cincinnati Picker. And those of you who came over from him, that was uh, awesome. And again, glad that you enjoy. This is probably not the typical reselling content that you see with kind of the news and just a talking head, a guy sitting here talking into a microphone. (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to branch out and do more of the kind of haul videos and stuff to kind of keep things fresh. But that's that's kind of where I'm at. I really I wanted to do a podcast and figured YouTube was also kind of where it's at. So I just combined the two and there we are. So uh, again, if you have questions reselling related or just about me, because I haven't necessarily shared a ton about myself personally on the show and I'm not necessarily opposed to that. It's just not something I've done. So if you have any questions for me like that, please let me know. Uh, Another one from Cincinnati Pickers channel. So yeah, I got a, I'm trying to get, I'd really like to get to a thousand subscribers and 4,000 of hours of watch time before I anniversary that because I had a huge spike (laughs) uh, in watch time that's going to drop off in like a month. Uh, That's really going to set the potential growth of the channel back a little bit. So uh, please, please share this out. One of the things I said I was going to do was give some stuff away. So... Let's do our first trivia question of the night. Uh, The first person who correctly answers this question in what I'm seeing here in my comments. And gosh, it's already given away. (laughs) Uh, I I guess I'll just give this beautiful 
Galaxy CDs mug to Aaron, who asked, how old is Josie? Because the first question on my list is for a mug. What is my cat's name? <laughs> uh, so congratulations, Aaron. I guess by default, I'm just going to award you with the first mug of the night. I do have two more to give away, so no problem. Uh, Josie is, oh, gosh, probably about a year and a half old. I got her. She was about nine months. Um, a friend of mine on Facebook, I had had cats most of my life. And the last one, the last two I had, the one was just an amazing cat and he got away, got out of the house and never came back. I got a rescue cat that was the meanest, nastiest, just the worst cat I've ever had. He wanted nothing. She wanted nothing to do with me. I tried for almost a year to get this cat to settle in. She eventually managed, she was from the wild. She eventually got out also never to return. And I swore I would never have another cat. So a friend of mine, this is a couple years later, posts Josie on Facebook and says, this is his mom's cat. She has had her in her apartment, unbeknownst to the apartment complex, and she's not allowed to have pets. <laughs> uh, and they finally discovered it and she's got to get rid of this cat. And I thought, Josie was really pretty from the picture. And I had literally just told my mom, never again, no more cats. And I went over and saw Josie and she was just the most loving, most affectionate cat I have ever been around. And I was instantly smitten and I brought her home with me immediately. So <laughs> uh, that's the story on Josie. And again, congratulations, Aaron. Uh, shoot me a message either on uh, DM me on Instagram, or you can email me at galaxycds at gmail.com with your shipping address. And I will shove you, sh uh, ship out this lovely Galaxy CDs mug to match the Galaxy CDs shirt that I saw you wearing on a video a couple of weeks ago. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Shop Epic Gifts. Can you tell us about your record store? Absolutely. Um, so going way back... I've, I've been a music nut since middle school, probably maybe a little earlier than that. And I'd always wanted to work in a record store and I never really got around to do it. I graduated college and I took a job that I thought I wanted with Pioneer Electronics. And about six or eight months into it, I realized it wasn't for me. And I was just going through the help wanted ads and I found an ad for a local CD store in Columbus called CD Jungle, which is now long out of business, looking for an assistant manager. I applied for that job and I worked for them for, gosh, probably three years and just loved it. Got married, had a family, needed something a little more than a record store to support myself. So I went into big traditional retail. It was a GM for Best Buy and Office Max and that kind of stuff. And at one point in the late 1990s, um, I believe this is going to sound totally insane. <laughs> I was sitting in my house by myself watching TV and the movie Empire Records came on. And I decided, you know what? I want to I open a record store. I've never had a CD store. I managed them and it was a great job. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do it. And I literally decided right then and there watching Empire Records that I was going to open a record store. And six months later, it was opened. And I did that for about 12 years. 
if I could have hung on for a couple of more years, I probably would still be doing it because the vinyl resurgence really took off at that point. But I, I was not financially able to make it go with the crash of the economy in the 2008 to 2010 window and the changing of people's music listening habits to things like Spotify and Pandora. It just crushed the what was the retail CD business at that time. So, uh, but it was. It was absolutely a blast. We did, I had art shows. We hosted live bands. We did all kinds of stuff in that store. And I've talked about a couple times on this channel that it's still something that's really important. It really left an impression on people in the community. A couple of times a year, I'll just get stopped on the street by people who will say, hey, you know, I really appreciate what you what you allowed us as kids to do to have that place to go and hang out and listen to music and whatever. So it was a really, really wonderful experience. Um, not the best financial decision I probably ever made in my life. Uh, but it was, I wouldn't trade those 12 years for the world. So, uh, moving on here in the chat, Randy Martin, how do you prep your CDs? I don't really do a lot. So I've got, um, a little bottle of like glasses cleaner and the, the little towel, whatever the microfiber cloth that comes with those. And I will use that to clean off smudges and fingerprints CDs that are scratched kind of beyond the point where I think I would want them as a customer. I generally just don't sell. I'll lot those up with something else. I am still, I've talked about previously the idea of, getting a resurfacer to be able to resurface those. I have not taken the plunge yet. Um, what is the one, the, the Easy Pro, is it JFJ Easy Pro is only about 150 bucks and probably would be a worthwhile investment to for CDs, for games, to be able to kind of clean up some of the more mediocre CDs. I was fortunate enough that I got that massive 8,000 CD buy that most of them were in really good condition and most of the ones that were not in good condition really didn't have a lot of value anyway. So at this point, it hasn't hurt me all that much, but that's essentially it for the prep. When I get ready to ship them, if the jewel case is damaged, I'll swap it out. Obviously, I've got thousands <laughs> of jewel cases sitting around here in CDs that I'm not actively selling so i'll switch it out and put it in a better a, a good not cracked jewel case and send it on its way so i uh, hope that answers your question if i was buying individual cds and finding a large number of kind of higher value stuff at that was in mediocre condition i would definitely take the plunge for the resurfacer so that i could take advantage of that stuff so uh anthony thank you man i appreciate it uh anthony was a long time visitor to the old galaxy cds retail store and has he attended my big yard sale when i was trying to blow out some cds he's ordered stuff off my ebay store uh i, I really appreciate the support thank you so much thank you aaron uh jim lucas is it worth it to clean up or repair a high-end book picked up a valuable cookbook at an estate sale but the dust jacket is stained i'm deba debating whether to try to clean it or sell it as is I'm not a book expert by any stretch. Paper dust jackets, I would feel like are going to be almost impossible to clean without causing further damage. So I probably wouldn't even try. I've found that 
obviously it's going to impact the value a little bit, but just having the dust jacket there as opposed to not increases the value overall of the book. So I would just include it as is, take some good photos, leave it in the um, item description that the book has that damage and any other of the pages tanned or have the, the little foxing spots, anything like that, that would cause someone to be a little suspect about the book, just disclose all that and price it accordingly and get on with life. I, I wouldn't worry about trying to clean personally clean a dust jacket. Now, if it's, if it's one of the newer ones, the high gloss ones that just got some stains on it that you could take a little cleaner and, you know, wipe that down and clean that up. That's something different, but especially an older book with non-glossy kind of matte paper that's already probably super thin and worn. I, I would be real hesitant to do that, but that's just me. Hello, thanks for coming out. Uh, Vanjam, big supporter, uh, comments on every video. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming around all the time. Uh, JFJ, Easy Pro, thank you. Randy, he says it is worth it. It's brought a lot of them back to life. So there you go. If you are like me on the fence about that thing. Um, and there's another one and I don't recall the name of it. It's super expensive. It's like 1500 bucks. And Lonnie down at Ched Flips, I think just did a follow-up video. He had bought one of those and he's done a subsequent video where he talks about whether or not he thought it was worth the investment. I have not watched that video, so I can't, I can't tell you what his answer was. You'll have to go check it out yourself. <laughs> uh, Penny's prized possessions. Do you ever sell vinyl? And if so, any particular genres? I do. Um, I sell a little bit of everything in vinyl, but I'm, I'm hesitant with vinyl because of the grading. Grading vinyl is really, really difficult. What I think might be good, you might think is poor or fair. It's, it's a really tough thing to do. So generally speaking, they've got to be in pretty good condition before I'll consider selling them online. If they're marginal, I generally take them to my antique booth where people can obviously have a chance to physically inspect it before they make a purchasing decision. I also tend to grade pretty conservatively. So even if I think it's near mint, I'll usually call it very good. And but obviously at the back end of that, you end up getting feedback that says this thing was better than advertised, which is a much better position to be in than to say this thing is very good and it's junk. <laughs> uh, and somebody says this was junk and leaves you negative feedback. So in terms of genres, I, I'll do a little bit of everything. Classic rock. 60s through maybe early mid 80s seems to do the best for me um but i've got old big band stuff on 78 i've got some country i've got some gospel i've got a little bit of everything that i'll put out in the various channels and it there's a buyer out there for just about everything but a lot of it again they're rough condition dollar or two dollar records and it's almost hard to justify doing that on ebay when you figure in the fees and the time so I tend to do only the things that look like they might be a little higher value. I uh, always wanted to own a record store or a pub. That is something else that I thought, man, it would be really cool to own a little sports bar. But, oof, man, <laughs> then you see a bar fight and you're like, ah, nah, I'm out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, something just something to get people together. And that was one of the great things about the record store was the, like I said, the community that kind of formed around it. People coming in and hanging out. I had a couch 
there. Literally, people would just come in and sit on that couch for hours. So uh, the EcoPro, yes, thank you, Jim. That is the expensive one, the EcoPro. It supposedly does a fantastic job. Um, again, you can check out Lonnie over at Shed Flips and see what he has to say. He has actually used one extensively. Uh, Randy Martin, Magic Eraser is good for light dust jacket cleaning. Just be gentle. Yeah, I've, I've not used the Magic Eraser. I hear that brought up a lot. Um, I may have to check one of those out. Uh, working fashion model. So excited to get. Thank you so much. Question about subculture related CD media. I have not picked up any K-pop albums. Um, I would guess they probably do. And I haven't not picked them up because I don't want to pick them. I just haven't seen any in my area. Uh, but yeah, any I've talked about kind of previously stuff that's culturally on the fringe stuff that's more unusual that you haven't heard in the mainstream tends to be the stuff that does really, really well. And this would probably be an example of that. It's, it's had its moment of kind of flash, but there's a lot of kind of different and unique stuff within that piece of the culture. Um, same thing with anime and all those kind of things where they've created a market that is, can be pretty valuable, but no, I have not done any K-pop. Uh, Beetle Owl, how do you feel about half price bookstores? Found some goodies and clearance before. Yes, you can, you can find a ton of stuff in there because they don't, no disrespect to anybody who might be working at a half price bookstore, but they don't do a very good job of evaluating their inventory. Um, I have a friend that bought an old Beatles album in there that was worth a ton of money and he paid like two bucks for it. <laughs> um, I find that more in records probably than in books. Books, they seem to do a better job. Records is they're just throwing the stuff out there. On the flip side, as someone who has some extra overstock that I would want to unload, it's almost not worth carting to half price books because they just literally don't give you anything for the stuff. Uh, so they can afford to sell the the stuff undervalued because uh, they've got nothing really in it. So. With that, let's get another trivia question in here for a mug. Uh, first person to correctly get this in the chat will win another mug. Who was the first person I interviewed on this channel? First other reseller that I interviewed here on Galaxy CDs, Rocks and Flips. Uh, Jim Lucas says, thanks, Randy. I'll try that. Mostly it's food stains. I think you see that I, I get a lot that I see with coffee, the ring where they've set a coffee cup down on the book, on the coffee table or the end table. And those are obviously really, really tough to get out. Uh, Jim has found some really good stuff in the half price bookstore recycle bins. So I would think that would be a good place to look. My, my friend from Australia, sorry, I can't watch you live today and work right now. I knew we talked on the, the preview to this. That it was going to be about 11 in the morning over there. Uh, we'll catch up with the replay. Again, thank you to anyone who is watching this on the replay. Um, and thank you for coming over from the podcast. I appreciate that. 
Alice Goes Nomad. Alice was one of the first people. She was all over Josie. She loved seeing pictures of Josie the cat. <laughs> so Alice, thank you so much for stopping by. I'm um, sorry to see that you had to give up reselling due to health issues. I hope you are okay um, and doing well, doing better. Yeah, I can see this is, I think a lot of people kind of get into reselling with the notion that it's it's easy money. You watch some of these videos and they make it look like, oh, you just go and you pick up some stuff and you put it on eBay for a million dollars. And that's not the case, man. This is a slog. This is a lot of work. It's not, it's one of those things that it's simple, but it's not easy. And I think a lot of people get misled when they see those things online and think this is quick, easy money. And it's not, it's a lot of work. And if you have some physical, you know, I've got, I was helping somebody move years ago and I've messed up my back a little bit. And there are times where I'm lugging, you know, tubs full of books where it gets really, really difficult. So I can certainly empathize with that. Uh, Alice, you just missed us talking about Josie uh, earlier. I don't have a picture handy here that I can pop up. um, But if you're inclined to follow anybody on Instagram, uh, Josie the cat gets a mention several times a week over on my Instagram. So (laughs) check that out. Uh, Randy, absolutely. Got to grind. It is, it is work. Yep. A lot of work. Chuck Brandy. No, she was not the first. Um, she was one of my favorite. I, I just love Brandy to death. I love her channel. If you haven't watched, uh, my reseller treasure, Go check her out, especially if you're into vintage toys and old Barbies and things like that. Uh, She's got a fabulous channel. Uh, I'm not sure if she's here tonight. She mentioned that she was going to come out, but congratulations to Brandy on her move to her new home. Uh, Alice, where are you? There we go. A lot of work, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Love doing this. It is a blast, uh, but it is not easy. Congratulations, May 1st for Randy, one year anniversary. Mine was in October, uh, went full time in October of 2019. So I got in kind of right before the pandemic. You got in kind of right during the pandemic. That's something that's going to be interesting actually to watch. Um, And it'll be in this week's podcast in the news section. We'll be talking a little bit about the the big companies eBay, Mercari, Poshmark have all already started to talk about declining sales numbers or at least declining sales growth as the pandemic begins to wane and people start to get back to normal. So that's going to be really interesting to watch with resellers as well. Uh, Jim Lucas, Tesla picker. No, I have not actually talked to, I think it's Dave. Tesla picker. Um, he's one I definitely would like to have. He's got a great channel too, man. He is, he is a riot. His kids are a hoot. Um, if you're not following him, you should definitely go check him out, but no, I have not spoken to him. Uh, Josie has to make an appearance on a live sometime. I'd have to move everything upstairs. I don't let her down here because there's so much stuff that she can get into and get under, and then I can't find her. And it's just a lot of drama. (laughs) Uh, so We'll have to sort something out to get Josie in on one of these things. Still looking for a winner on this. Um, He is on the West Coast. He has a great channel. They do a Wednesday, I think they call it the Hump Day Hangout, 
with Regina Michelle, if that gives anybody some hints on who my first interview was on this channel. Again, for a mug. And let's see what else we can get into here. Yeah, that it's amazing what cats can actually get into, how small of a space they can like maneuver themselves into um, and sometimes not get it back out of for some reason. But yeah, they're they're pretty amazing. Shouldn't sleep between the dishes. Yeah, this they'll sleep anywhere. It, it's amazing. Uh, Chuck note, Dave, I assume you're talking about Dave Midwest Picker. I did interview him. He was not. However, the first one. As she's going to try to search. So I'm trying to think what else I could give as a clue. He is on uh, the No Cap podcast with uh, Lewis Moore III and Hyphy Gold and 3Gen Hustle, if that helps anybody out. So to just talk a little bit more about my background and why I decided to get into reselling while we continue to wait for a winner on this particular question. I didn't think this one was going to be that hard. I'll give you another hint. It was the only interview I did that did not actually have video with it because I got uh, some kind of technical error with StreamYard and it did not capture the video. Uh, Alice says, check out Dante, Prison to Profit channel. Uh, he is. He's fantastic. Um, I do watch his stuff. He's his energy level, man. At my age, <laughs> I wish I had that kind of kind of energy at this point. There we go. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. Uh, Derek, yes, Fundamentals of Side Hustling was the first interview that I did on this channel. I had seen him on somebody else's channel and like I was getting ready to get into, we shared a very similar background in that we both had been kind of big retail managers over the years. So we had that experience that we brought into reselling. So I thought he would be a really interesting person to talk to. So that's why I invited him on the channel and why he was my first interview. So please send me again, either on Instagram, you can DM me your shipping address or you can email me at galaxycds at gmail.com and I'll get this mug right out to you. Dave, Midwest Picker in the house. Thank you so much. I, I looked for you last night. So I was sitting on my couch at like 7.45 and I got on YouTube and I did not see anything. I couldn't find anything on your live for last night. And I thought, well, I know they're moving and everything. So I guess he's just not doing one tonight. And I went and did something else. And then this morning I get up and I see on Instagram <laughs> uh, your post for your live last night, like always at eight o'clock. So I don't know how I missed it. Um, if you're not checking out Dave Midwest Picker, he's got a really fun channel. He does a live every Sunday night, pretty much every Sunday night at eight o'clock. Does all kinds of crazy taste tests and wacky foods and all kinds of stuff. Really, really fun channel. If you're not doing anything on Saturday or Sunday nights at eight o'clock Eastern, definitely worth checking out. And yeah, definitely say hey to Dave. Uh, sorry, I missed the show last night. It is That's another thing that is hard to, as you start to participate more in the YouTube community, it gets really difficult to manage the time to not only do your videos, 
and or your podcast or whatever else you might be doing. Keep up to date with Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Do your reselling and then actually watch a bunch of other content creators. It gets really, really hard. And I'm not one. I'm terrible at this. If there's a TV on, man, I'm like laser focused. I can't do anything else. So I'm not one of these that can like put it on in the background and have it playing while I'm working, while I'm doing my listing or whatever. I just can't do that. So I very rarely watch YouTube. I Sometimes I'll listen to them or I'll listen to a podcast, but it's hard for me to to watch a lot of channels. So uh, yeah, I posted the thumbnail. I don't, like I said, I didn't see it until about eight o'clock this morning. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it was up a lot earlier than that, but, uh, I totally missed it. So, but I did at least look for you last night. So props to me for that. Yeah. You almost have to, with all of this stuff is just schedule budget, a time to get in and, you know, watch these videos or, you know, on these drives that I'm doing, I can listen to the podcast. So I listen to like pure hustle podcast and, uh, the resale brothers and some of those guys, um, guys without jobs, Lonnie and John's podcast, Cincinnati picker. So podcasts are much easier for me because I generally in a week, I've got some hours where I'm, I can't do anything else really. Cause I'm driving. So that's pretty helpful, but uh, Aaron says, really need background noise when I'm working. I do. I always have something going, but it's usually music or something like that. It's If it's a video, I'm just, my eyes are drawn to the video. It's hard for me. Like if I'm at a sports bar and trying to have a conversation and there's a TV above that person's head, I'm one of those guys that you think is not paying any attention because <laughs> I'm like looking at the TV all the time. It's a, it's a bad problem to have, but it is... Uh, <laughs> That's where I'm at. Uh, Alice says, forgot how much I enjoy listening to you. Thank you so much. Uh, I, you know, I was not ever a DJ. It's something that I, at one point in my life, I thought I wanted to pursue. And it's very hard to break into. There's not, unless you're a mega star, there's really not a lot of money in it. And I don't like getting up at three o'clock in the morning to do an early morning show or something like that. So I just never really pursued it. Um, so doing this podcast and this YouTube channel is kind of allowed me to scratch that itch a little bit. So I'm glad that I'm glad that people like it. Um, and hopefully they're getting something out of it as well. So I appreciate it. Did a little college radio. Nice, nice. I did a lot of writing, um, when I was in school, not so much in college, but more through high school. I did for the local weekly newspaper. I did a lot of sports writing and photography, so journalism was something that I actually had thought about pursuing at one point. Uh, but that was another field that it just didn't really look like there was all that much money in. And then now here I am at 55 reselling other people's junk out of my basement <laughs> uh, and still not really making all that much money. I'm, you know, I'm making a living, but all those aspirations that you have kind of when you're younger and you're in school and you're thinking, about, man, I want to have this career and I want to make six figures and I drive the nice car. And eventually, at least for me, I reached a point where I just didn't care about that stuff anymore. My, my time to pursue things I am really interested in and really passionate about was more important to me than necessarily making big money. And that was one of the reasons I transitioned out of kind of the traditional workforce, um, 
on two occasions you could say that even when i opened my record store that that was a, a step out of kind of traditional potential to make money kind of thing so that's that let's do another trivia question uh this one let's do this lovely shirt bright red no nah, red orange i guess sometimes it's hard to tell on the screen the colors so uh for this one i i talked about in a video of quite some time ago that i thought there were some definite keys to success you don't have to get them exactly right but i said that i thought a handful of things were keys to your success can anybody tell me what i said those were or paraphrase that for me what is the key to your success right with my free time i have actually thought about doing voiceovers i honestly have no idea how to even look into getting into that but it is something i think it would be a lot of fun and in kind of in the past in my work career when they wanted someone to do like pa announcements for a sale or whatever i always kind of got roped into doing that kind of stuff so yeah voiceovers that is something that might be interesting to do kind of as another side gig um and it's something you can kind of do on your own time and at your own pace you know in your own house so definitely might be fun uh engine passion is better than money for sure that's my route absolutely you've got to obviously have enough money to survive but and i've talked about that here on this channel too when i've kind of disclosed my you know cost of living situation i'm in a position where i don't need a lot of money to be able to survive so i can even be really choosy about the things that i choose to sell in my reselling business i don't have to look for home runs i can kind of target fields like music and media that i enjoy that are not necessarily going to put me in a six-figure category because that's not my financial goal with this so uh dave says i'm 55 but i feel 105 after trying to pack and move i bet i i keep thinking about finding like a commercial space because my house is literally full of stuff and it would be nice to get some of my rooms back um for me and josie the cat but the thought of moving all of this stuff and all the fixtures the racks and the shelves and all that it just it depresses me <laughs> uh so i don't envy you packing and moving that is not something that i would be interested in doing at this point eventually i'm gonna have to um i'm in what essentially is now just a giant warehouse but it's a three-bedroom house and it's just me and the cat so it's really overkill for me but it's a nice neighborhood and i've been here for a long time so i just kind of stay but I, I recognize that at some point i too am going to have to make the move uh work to live don't live to work absolutely and this business you can get kind of caught up in that trap as well and you see sometimes on you know youtube where people have kind of gotten into that you know the 24 7 hustle and the grind 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 and you know more power to you if that's your choice that's your choice to do but that isn't for everyone it's not everyone's goal and i i really like having the balance and the flexibility to be able to kind of do the things i want to do uh randy says don't worry about other resellers claims absolutely i've talked about that 
numerous <laughs> times. Uh, the guys over at Pure Hustle Podcast actually just talked about it in their episode last week as well. That, you know, a lot of times on YouTube or Instagram or whatever it is, you only kind of see the best of what someone's doing. They show you their 90 day number, but they're not showing you their cost of goods sold. They show you their average selling price, but they don't show you their average cost. So you're only getting a piece of the puzzle and it can, it can be pretty daunting. It can be pretty intimidating. You see somebody that's doing, you know, a 90 day number that's 60, 80, a hundred thousand dollars and you're doing 20 or 30 and you can really let that gnaw at you and you, you don't have enough of a picture to be able to kind of make that assessment of someone else's success. So I absolutely agree with that. You can't worry about what other people are doing or not. Um, have someone trying here to get an answer. Uh, such a bad memory, keys to success, organization, time management, being detailed, passion, luck. <laughs> uh, it is, that's it, all of those. Those are a lot of those things that actually factor into kind of what I said, the second half of getting to success was, um, so maybe I'll give you credit for that. What I had talked about was the necessity of believing in yourself, believing that you and your business and your life are worthy of having and enjoying whatever, however you define success. And then doing some of the things that she talked about here, being organized, managing your time, structuring your day so that, you know, while you have that flexibility, you're still able to get kind of the tasks done that you want to get done. But the first one is to just value yourself well enough and high enough that you're willing to go do those things. Um, if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe that you're worth achieving that success, um, it's very, very difficult to go do, and it's very difficult to get anybody else kind of to buy in. So uh, Randy Martin says to be realistic about it. Yeah, you have to, you know, kind of know your lane. I know I'm selling CDs and movies and books and, you know, the occasional piece of electronics. So my, you know, my raw gross numbers are not probably ever going to be enormous, but I can still make really good money on that stuff if I if I do it right, if I do the buying right and, you know, market the stuff correctly. So there's still a way to do it um, kind of outside of what other people might say you have to do. Uh, pear tree finds list every day. Absolutely. I did see um, there've been a couple of people, I think RK treasure center channel just did something where they had talked about, they had not listed anything for quite some time. I know Dave Midwest picker has also mentioned because of his move that he has not been listing in some time and he is still getting sales. So I, I agree that listing every day is, is important, but I'm not sure it's as relevant to the eBay algorithm as we might think that it is. It definitely does trigger some things. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, even using list perfectly to it essentially goes in and, opens a revised listing in eBay and then opens that listing in Mercari and transfers the information over. I have been selling quite a bit of stuff on eBay 
that has been in my inventory for a very, very long time just by doing that process. And I know people talk about going in and revising listings and closing them and doing sell similar and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of things that can kind of trigger the algorithm. The For me, the biggest advantage to listing every day is to just keep putting fresh new inventory out there to add to my catalog of stuff. So uh, Media Picker, listing DVDs as I watch the live stream. Awesome. Derek, thank you for stopping by, man. I appreciate it. You were the answer to a trivia question a little bit ago as the uh, first ever guest on my show. So thank you. I appreciate you stopping out um, and always watching and commenting on these videos. It, it does. It means a lot to me. Again, I've talked about it before the community that has kind of formed up around this little group of content creators is really meaningful to me. And I think it is to you as well. So I really appreciate you stopping out today. Uh, amen. Believe in yourself always. Yep. No, nobody else is going to believe in you until you do. So I <laughs> uh, learned that a long, long time ago. Uh, you are worthy of success and then you do the things you need to do to be successful. Absolutely. Uh, working fashion model, true and wise words. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, am I a wise old man now? <laughs> uh, but thank you. Uh, what's the saying? Something like how comparison is the killer of contentment. Yes, there's there are several versions of that. Um, it's the the thief of joy is another one that I hear regularly. Um, finding that balance between constructive and destructive self critique is a journey. Absolutely, you have to be realistic about yourself and where your weaknesses are so that you can work on those things and improve them. But you, again, in, in your core, you've got to believe that you're worthy and able of fixing those things as well. So absolutely. But yeah, self, self critique is vitally important. And the old line about don't take criticism from someone you would not take advice from also holds true there. So if you get somebody that's given you some grief about something you're doing or not doing, um, think about whether they're worth listening to. <laughs> uh, Alice goes, Nomad says, I tweak listings when I couldn't list every day. That moves listings up on the algorithm. Absolutely. It seems like any anything that you can do to keep activity on your store, sending out offers, responding to offers, responding to messages, showing that your store is current and active really seems, the the algorithm really seems to reward that. So, Derek, thank you. And some hellos here. Brandy, thank you. I gave you a shout out earlier and said the usual very nice things about you and your channel. So thank you for coming out. I appreciate it. Uh, no worries on being late. I absolutely get it. Life happens. Thank you, Steve, so much. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for the congrats on the 500. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, it was a little touch and go there for a minute. As soon as I put the Instagram post <laughs> uh, that I was at 500, somebody unsubbed and I was back down to 499. I was like, oh man, this stinks. But uh, but we got it got right back up there. Uh, Alice goes on to say, it seems that like when I ever rejected an offer, the item would sell a day or two later. It must be because the algorithm picking up the interest. Yeah, very well could be. I've noticed that as well. Um, I've had several items that I either counter offered and it didn't get accepted or I just outright rejected. And then a day or two later, boom, the thing sold for full price generally. So yeah, that happens all the time. 
What is in your personal music collection? So when I decided back in 2012 to close my record store, I signed up for Spotify premium. I went to the dark side, I went online and I literally do not own for my personal collection, any music at this point. I don't have any CDs of my own, any records, nothing. It is literally all on Spotify. I have, I don't even know how many Spotify playlists with over 10,000 songs on them. So I've got a lot of stuff that I listen to in terms of like genres and that I'm pretty open. I listen to literally everything from old school hip hop to jazz, to metal, to classical. I guess if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be kind of old school pop music. I've mentioned, I think on this channel before, um, crowded house, a band from the eighties is my all time favorite band. So anything in kind of that indie pop rock realm is right in my wheelhouse. But yeah, I actually do not uh, actually own any physical media anymore. I just sell it on eBay. <laughs> uh, some more hellos going out there. I actually, I, I had some stuff left over from my store when I decided to get into reselling. And I was just going to dabble in it at the time. I had a pretty good job financially, at least selling cars. And I listed some of the things out of my store that had just been down here in the basement in storage. And there were, that's kind of what prompted all of this. There was some stuff there that brought just crazy money that seven years prior when I closed my store was essentially worthless. So that really got my attention that there was an opportunity for at least CDs. And I started looking into books and found old books were kind of the same way. And one thing led to another and here I am. <laughs> uh, Brandy says bedtime ran later than usual. Yeah, that happens a lot. It can be very tough to get them down. Uh, there you go. There's a connection. Uh, Derek over at Fundamentals of Side Hustling wants to get Brandy over on the show. Yeah, you definitely need to do that. Um, she would be she would be an awesome guest. Uh, do I know the dismemberment plan? I do. I don't, not personally, <laughs> uh, but I know of them. I know who they are. Yes. Uh, bought that ICP lot. Yeah. Um, man, I'll tell you what, when I had my store, ICP stuff was gold. I assume it still is. I saw, I think it's Media Picker, who I think was here earlier tonight. I'm not sure if he's still here, but he posted on Instagram. I think he sold an ICP lot over the weekend. Those juggalos, man, they are, they would buy all of that stuff. T-shirts, stickers, movies. It didn't matter, man. They loved it. Uh, that was, that was a gold mine and probably still is. Speaking of, Still have 4,000 CDs in my personal collection. There you go. I, at one time, my CD collection was probably a little over 5,000. Um, and I, over the years, have just whittled it down. I sold a lot of those in my store as we kind of got to the end. I was trying not to buy new inventory because I knew I was going to be closing the place down. So just trying to generate some cash. I sold off a lot of my personal collection because I knew I was going... <laughs> Uh, to the dark side with Spotify. So that kind of took care of that. But uh, that would be fun. Yeah, Derek, uh, if we can coordinate that with Brandy, I'd love to be on your show. Obviously, I'm there virtually every week on Wednesday night. Uh, gave you a shout out for that earlier. But Wednesday night, the uh, Hump Day Hangout, it 
jumps back and forth between a couple channels, Derek's uh, Fundamentals Aside Hustling and Regina Michelle's channel. So, but uh, definitely check that out. It is fun, fun, fun. Uh, do you have any issues with silverfish infiltrating your books? I do not. I've not had any any kind of issues with bugs or rodents in a storage unit or any of that kind of stuff. It obviously is something that could happen. I've I've bought huge lots of books that were clearly because they've got that musty scent stored in a basement or some other damp thing. And I'm always a little leery about when I open the next tub, what am I going to find? And I've just really, I've had a couple boxes that had spiders in them, but I haven't had anything like that personally. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Share, share those with me as well, Derek, and we'll get that coordinated. Absolutely. Yep. Say, so I, we, we got to gang up. <laughs> We all got to stick together. When we talk about this, you know, again, the community, there's this really kind of powerful group of, you know, the sub 10,000 subscriber resellers who seem to all kind of know and like each other and they participate on each other's channels and they're constantly given shout outs and feedback. And it's really, it's a great, it's very supportive community. So, you know, if you're on the fence, a about reselling or B about doing a YouTube channel, you know, participate in things like this, you know, get in on the chats and the lives and whatever. And the, the community by and large is super, super welcoming. So, um, yeah, I can't, can't say enough about the YouTube reselling community. So I guess we'll do one more. Trivia question. This one for this lovely Galaxy CDs hoodie, Heather Gray. It is a large, probably a men's large, real nice Hanes Eco Smart. So it's even eco friendly, really nice hoodie. So again, as with the previous one, first person in the chat to get this correct. When did I? originally start selling on eBay? When did I originally start selling on eBay? Yeah, and Brandy, uh, obviously echoing what, what I just said there, the community has been really, really great. It, I'm sure it's like anything. There are, there are a few people that I just don't watch because <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't like their presentation. You know, everybody's not for everybody. So, you know, find the people that you vibe with, as Derek would say, and run with that crew. Um, and you can, you know, you can really get a lot done, get a lot of support. Uh, 76, you're funny. Uh, eBay was founded in 1995. So while I am old enough to have probably participated in eBay, Actually, no, that's not even true. I'd have been 11 years old in 1976. So <laughs> I could not have opened an account. So, uh, yeah, we struggling. No, uh, that's close. 1998, um, but not quite right, Randy. But you're in the ballpark. Uh, not 2002. There we go. Uh, Prenny's prized possessions is our winner yes i opened my ebay account in 2000 
uh, when I had my, when I opened my record store, I was collecting pretty large quantities of used CDs and other memorabilia from the music business. And eBay was still fairly new at that time. Like I said, it opened in 95. So it'd been around about five years and it was an opportunity for me to sell off some stuff and auction off some stuff. So I opened my first eBay account uh, in 2000. That is actually the account I am still using, Galaxy CDs Rocks. The name, for those of you that are not familiar, that haven't been along for the whole ride of my CD store was Galaxy CDs. For some reason, eBay would not let me choose that as my username, my seller name. So I went with Galaxy CDs Rocks and that has stuck. My eBay account was pretty much inactive from about 2012 when I originally closed the store up until 2019 when I started dabbling around with this reselling noise. So uh, that's why I still had 800 odd feedback. There's a lot of things, interestingly enough, that were kind of grandfathered in because I had been around eBay so long. So like selling limits, if I've got them, I can't find them anywhere. Uh, I know Dave always jokes his is like a billion dollars or a billion listings or something crazy like that. I'm sure if I could find mine, they're probably like that, uh, but I can't even pull it up in my seller hub. I don't know what they are, but yeah, I'm not quite an OG on eBay, but awfully, awfully close. So uh, I don't know if it was exactly June. That is when I opened my record store was June of 2000, but I think the eBay account actually came a little bit later. It was probably in the fall of that year, but uh, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, good guess and spot on when I actually opened the store. So that's pretty cool. So our winner there, again, reach out to me on Instagram. If you're not following me over there, it's at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Uh, you can DM me there or you can send me an email at galaxycds at gmail.com and give me your address and all that good stuff and I will get this hoodie right out to you. I had one more trivia question, but we actually kind of gave it away earlier when we were talking about owning the record store. The question was going to be, what did I say was the best job I ever had other than this one? And we already talked about that when I had the CD store that that was just, <laughs> uh, that job was the bomb. So I get asked, actually pretty regularly about would I do that again? And I probably would not. And it, I, I just don't think I want to be tied to the hours that you put on the door of a retail store again. The overhead doesn't bother me. And like I said earlier, I have toyed with looking at dedicated warehouse slash office space to get some of this stuff out of my house. So I'm not all that pressed necessarily about the financial part of it, which is certainly something you need to consider if you're thinking about opening a store. But when you, when you have a retail establishment and you put on the window that you're open, whatever it is, even if it's just noon to five, you're locked in to that noon to five. You've got to be there or you have to pay someone else to be there. And that's, you end up being stuck just like you were stuck if you were working for someone else. And I've, I'm at a point in my life where that is just as much as I loved having that store, that's not something that I want to be tied down to again tomorrow morning. If I want to sleep in a little late and get a late start, 
I can totally do that and still have my day structured to get the things done I want to get done. Where if I had my store and it said on the door I was going to be there at 10, I got to get up and get busy. So <laughs> um, with that, we're, we're coming up on an hour here. And that was kind of my plan to I was hoping that enough people would show up. And at one point, I think there were 19 or 20 people here, which blows away my expectations. I was really hoping that, like I said at the beginning, that anybody would show up. But if I could get 10 or 15 people to come out for a first ever live, I would I would feel pretty good about that. So thank you to all of you again for coming out. Uh, there will be a podcast slash video on Wednesday with a really big news update. I've gotten a lot of feedback that folks really like that part. And for whatever reason, it coincides this week with a ton of reselling news. So we'll have that for you on Wednesday. As always, I appreciate you guys coming out. Um, hit a few more comments here. Aaron, appreciate the flexibility of reselling. Absolutely. It's one of the reasons, like I said, that I got into it originally. Um, thank you, Dave and or Lori, whichever one or both of you that are here tonight. If you are a reseller that doesn't like, <laughs> uh, the, the packing, the shipping and the storing of your stuff, go check out the interview I did with Dave and Lori over at eBliss reseller solutions. Uh, you can find it in my YouTube feed under the podcast. Uh, there's also a link. It's an affiliate link to get 20% off the first month of their service, but they essentially will store, warehouse, and ship items for you. So if you're the kind of person that just really likes the sourcing and doesn't like all the other drama that necessarily goes along with it, uh, take some time, go check out their video, check out eBliss Reseller Solutions. Use my link if you would. I would appreciate it. Um, but thanks for coming out. I appreciate it. And thank you uh, for the kind words. Very much appreciated. Uh, Alice watched what's my line on YouTube and imagined it with YouTube resellers as what's my, that would be good. What's my find or deal or something, uh, a panel. I don't know. What's his name? Um, primetime treasure hunter. He does a lot of like game show type videos. I wonder if he does anything like that. That would be really interesting though. Uh, thanks for stopping by shop Epic gifts. Uh, yeah. Occasional mystery guest, you could do that, hide them behind a green screen or something. That would be cool. Yeah, I'm always, you know, you get on here and you see that 100 or 200 people have watched a video. I've got one video that's got over a thousand views on it, and that just never ceases to amaze me. And I don't know, I, you know, these people that get tens of thousands of views per video, I, I don't know. I wonder if it's still as exciting for them as it is for us <laughs> when we get that, you know, 200 views or whatever, but, uh, keep grinding. Yep. Absolutely. Got to keep it going. Uh, for any prize possessions, please don't forget to reach out to me to get your hoodie. I appreciate it. Media picker reselling replaces actual part-time job. Yeah. That, that's that for a lot of folks paying off some bills, college loans, whatever. There's so many things that you could do if you could just give an hour or two a, a night, maybe three or four nights a week to do this. Um, you can really make some nice extra money. And for those of us who are in a life position where you can make a go of this full-time, um, it is a terrific full-time opportunity as well. Jim Lucas, thanks for doing the podcast. Booksellers the world over, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I, I appreciate that people dig it. 
thank you. High fives all around. Thank you guys for coming out. Uh, and as always, I will close it with this. And now it's time to sell. Thanks for coming out, guys. We'll see you on Wednesday. Bye-bye.